Hi, you're listening to the Hairdo's Conversations podcast, episode number eight. We're going to learn tonight ringside from Sean Dawson, what it was like to be there to see Tyson Fury's latest victory. We're also going to hear Mark share with us how he his love of sending Everton to near relegation and can Liverpool go on to success. And I'm going to share more misery from Man United fans' point of view. And also, is the weekend breakaway more hassle than it's worth? So sit back and enjoy some time with the hair dudes. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Hair Dudes Conversations. Tonight, we're too light again, but I won't go into details as to where they are, because that's a mystery. And it's a mystery to us as well. And honestly, they're off being busy. One holidaying and one working his arse off, as he always does. And I'll let you just work out which one is which. <laughs> uh, I'm joined tonight by Sean and Mark. So we've uh, oh. Dublin twice and London. Um, we've got an interesting uh, lineup for you. We're going to give it a bit of football, I think, because Mark's getting really, really excited. <laughs> He's so excited he can't post anything about Liverpool on social media at the moment. He's kind of very, very absent there, you know. And Sean is, uh, the, I think he's given up and he's decided to go into his other passion, which is boxing. And Sean will cover tonight the amazing fight that happened the weekend that I actually couldn't believe when I went to do pay-per-view Saturday night. I said to Alison, I'm, I'm going to pay for this, do you mind? And she goes, yeah, yeah, no, I'm interested in watching him. And I went, wow, great. It's the first time I think Alison ever sat and watched mm-hmm. boxing with me. Now, it, when I got to the crunch time, she did say, did he not just push him over? <laughs> you, can, you, you can tell us more about that because you were there, Sean, and you were up close. I was there, yeah. So I think we actually keep Mark in suspense on the football front. Let's go with the boxing to begin with. <laughs> if we can keep him off the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I That's thought it. you were going to say keep me in suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can see you playing the Rocky Horror Show at some stage, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Sean, give us the lowdown on how, yeah, you, I was... how you acquired such a bad ticket for this fight. <laughs> I was very lucky, actually. I had a, uh, a guest of mine, uh, a client of mine, that um, offered me the tickets on Thursday, um, free of charge. So, yeah, and they were ringside seats. So I was really lucky, yeah. And uh, I took my best mate. We went there, 94,000 in Wembley. Um so getting a drink was pretty stressful. It took us 40 minutes to get a drink um, and even longer to have a piss. In them seats, I thought you'd be just... You'd love that, yeah. I mean, I, I was shocked, actually. And then on Twitter, it was really interesting because, I mean, it was an absolute shambles. So I don't Wembley must lose a fortune because to wait 40 minutes for a drink, okay, fine, you buy two each, but you don't want to go back up and get another one. And they must lose an absolute fortune. But on Twitter... They were showing these agency staff filling the pints from the from the trough underneath, like just swigging them in the the spillage. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, so um, so that weren't too good. But the fight was incredible. Yeah, I mean the night was incredible. I take my hat off to Frank Warren. I mean it cost him forty odd million, but um, but yeah, I mean the man is he's a robot. It's it's he's the thing with Tyson Fury is. He made Dillian White look terrible. I mean, and Dillian White's not terrible. And, and it, it's his ring craft more than anything. He just understands a fight game and he knows how to adapt. And, you know, he's a much bigger man. He kept him away. But you could tell he was just waiting for him to, to, 
to, to go square on. And as soon as he did, he threw the uppercut. As you say, there was a push, but I mean, Dillian White, he's complained about the push, but I mean, he was staggering when he was going back to the dressing room. He had no idea where he was. It was, um, it was, um, it was a brutal, brutal knockout, but yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think he'll retire. I, I think he'll come back to try and youth. He'll wait for Joshua and Usyk. And you know, I think you'll see him one more time do that. And um, I, I don't think he'll be able to keep away. He, he, not after that. I mean, 94,000 people in there. It was unbelievable. And I'd say at least 90,000 were for him. The, the sad thing with the old boxers is, is that, like, you think of Ed Sheeran playing here, right, Mark? Right, in Crow Park, selling out two nights. Poor, you know, you think it putting him in there, right? Tyson Fury, Fury with Joshua could sell out five nights. Yeah. You, know, you, only get, you only get one shot at it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get somebody like Ed who can just rock up to 90,000 in, in the stadium and put it on and not even hire a band, the miserable guy. Exactly. <laughs> so it's basically split between him and his manager and that's yeah. it. And the manager gets 10%. So thank you. The interesting thing, remember the in, in the first round, was it the first or second round when they got in the corner and the, and the Frank Warren got up out of his chair, the bottle of water went flying. Did you see, who, who who threw the bottle of water? I don't know who threw the bottle of water because they were on the other side to me. I don't know. But there was, um, yeah, that, I mean, William White, I was quite surprised. He is a talented fighter, but I, I think it was more frustration. The thing with Dilly, the, the thing that Tyson Fury is so good at is as soon as, a, a, you know, they have to get inside that reach. And as soon yeah. as they get inside that reach, he ties them up. And yeah. it's frustration yeah. more than anything. And, you know, an elbow was thrown. I think it was an attempted headbutt by White as well. He just sort of like put, put the nut on him a little bit. And, and at one point, it really did get... It's very rare you see Fury lose his temper like that. Um, and, um, but yeah, and Frank Warren, yeah, he's, he was, yeah, he was furious. But I don't know what, what and, and who threw it. But I mean, it was, yeah, it, it, it was, I, I mean, again, to detriment to White, I think like, I think Fury's one of them. I think he was in such control of the fight. I think he would have let it go a little bit more. But I think that was partly what the push was. He knew he'd caught him. He knew he was out. And, you know, I, I think it was part well, of the momentum He said as well. that on Five Live, I was listening, coming home, and one of the... I, don't, I actually think it was a footballer that made the observation, but he said it wasn't. He, he said he pushed him away because he knew he could have yeah. hit him again and really hurt him. Yeah, yeah. he, he knew the power of that punch, and he knew he's gone down. And, you know? and and like the referee, he was standing there, and your man was wavering. You could just see him on TV. He was just like a palm tree in the wind. You could yeah. just he was about to hit the deck again. Well, you didn't yeah. have the privilege of the the slow, <laughs> the replays, and when you you kind of went, did he did he even hit him? And then you it go, looked like a glance, didn't you it? you kind yeah. of see it after, you kind of go... You know. Well, well, actually, in the slow-mo, when you actually see it from the other side and you actually see the opposite cheek move and the ear move with the shutter, you kind of go, oh, he was hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, he I'll was be hit. honest, I was close. I heard it. I was that close, I heard it. It was like a thud and it was like... And I heard his head hit the floor. Um, and it wasn't because of the push. I mean, it was like two thuds. It was like, I mean, he was out. He did, he did well to get up. Um, but as you say, once the referee, you know, he got him to walk towards him, he was, he was out. And I mean, he was, he was still all over the place going to the dressing room. Really? I mean, it was I like, yeah, it hadn't really recovered, yeah. And on the radio, they were saying there that that's, 
I think that's his third, all uppercuts. All uppercuts, yeah. He said yeah. he's always been knocked out. It's been all up, nearly the same. Yeah. Just knocked him each Avekian knocked him out with, with an uppercut and Joshua, yeah. Um, both of them knocked him out. He, um, he goes square on that. That's a problem, Greg. You never go, you're never supposed to go square on because mm. obviously, you know, you're, you've got no... One of the brilliant things with Tyson and, and again, with the Wilder knockdowns when he was fighting Wilder, if you ever watch that again, Every time Wilder catches him, Tyson's coming backwards. So, like, you know, the, if, if you ever, you know, if you're square on, you don't have any chance to move yourself backwards. And mm. so it's, it's going to hit you. I mean, even worse if you're coming forwards. But, um, and I think in the Povekian one, he was actually coming forward. He was actually ducking down as the Povekian one hit him. And that's why he was out for so long. But he is susceptible to that. But Tyson, I mean, it's, it's just genius to watch him fight. You can just see his brain ticking over and he can adapt and he can change and but um but yeah I don't think a lot of it was sad a lot of people said you know White missed his chance and he didn't show up and he was gassed and all that that is it's it's like a football team sometimes you you know you you play a team and they make you look terrible um, yeah. and you're not terrible and it's just uh Mark Stein to move on there to the next bit but, um, no I'm but, not actually uh, I, I, I find it fascinating to watch him coming out in the second round and go southpaw because yeah. I actually thought he was equally as effective with the jab yeah. on southpaw. So I was really surprised at watching him do that. That was that was incredibly smart. Yeah, and the power behind that jab is unbelievable. You know, you when you're there, you can actually you as I say, you can hear it and you can you can almost feel it. It's like you can see the way it's rocking. You know, White's head back. And again, the frustration, White's swinging at air. I mean, it, for a big man, he's, you know, I, I, I wasn't privileged to see Muhammad Ali. And I always say my, my favourite fighter is May, May, uh, Mayweather, but as, as a skill level. But watching Fury live, I mean, he's, he's the best heavyweight I've ever seen. And I love Lennox Lewis, but he's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah he he actually, was, he was, I was just about to say that. Lennox Lewis was one of the commentators there. And he was saying, undisputed. Lennox Lewis said, I'm still the only undisputed heavy British heavyweight champion. Is that's what yeah, you're... that's right. Yeah, it's British, yeah. is it not world? Yeah, no, I think, uh, no, I, British, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said he still yeah. has to go now. If you were, if it was a head to head, who do you think would come out on top there? Because I always liked Lennox, Lennox Lewis <coughs> with, with Fury, yeah, I think it's always so difficult to. To judge from the past, you know, like I mean, if you think about Ali, people say about. I mean, Ali was thirteen stone. I mean, you mm. know, it's it's. I mean, I'm heavier than that. <laughs> um, and with Lewis, it's difficult. Lewis had the best jab I've ever seen, even better than Tyson Fury's. But I just, it's his brain. It's his. I mean, I can't under, underestimate. You know, for for a fighter to be able to to have that brain while they're while they're you know, and, and again, can change what he needs to do in a heartbeat. You know, as you say, go to Southpaw and he's intelligent enough. You know, he won't have just done that to be flash or, or even to confuse White. He'd done that for a reason. And then, um, and, I, and I think he, I think what he was trying to do was actually frustrate White yeah. into the fact of coming square on. He knew yeah. that White would eventually, because, I mean, again, much more intelligent boxing people than me have, have always said that is... That is why he he has a problem. Why you know he's an ex kickboxer and he always comes straight. He, 
it's interesting. They say you can train people, but they always go back to that original yeah, thing yeah, that, that, that they do. And and you know, as a kickboxer, you do go square on it at times. And yeah. and uh, when you're going on the attack, and it's it was, <clears> I think that's what he was trying to draw out in him. But I mean, yeah, but it was an incredible occasion. Yeah, I'm sure you were still in your seat when all the the hype afterwards and all was there. But I miss, I think I might have went out to top up my glass. Right, because I didn't have to queue 40 minutes. I was only in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have to queue for a loo either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why yeah. did... I nearly, I'll tell you what, Mark. I'll tell you what, Mark. I nearly filled a glass at one point. How did his, his corner man, his, his coach, end up with no short on him? What was that all about? Well, they do this thing thought, to him. They I thought there was another fight just, going on. Uh-huh. Just joking about, yeah. It was just a joke about. They always... Yeah, you know... That, it, the old gypsy thing he he loves. It's like I mean that that was quite incredible. I mean to be before the fight, you know, to to go in the amount of gypsies that were there was unbelievable. It was like um, it was quite hilarious. Yeah, it was. Um, but but even as you said before, it's it's. I mean the noise for it. I, I never thought I don't like it when you hear another British boxer booed, but the noise, you know, was just incredible. He's so popular and it. It crosses, you know, the amount of women that were there the other night. I, I, yeah. Unbelievable amount. It's like everybody loves him. And, um, and yeah, but he's a special talent. I, I really do hope that isn't the last we see of him because I, I, I personally believe he'll murder Joshua. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I can't see Usyk's too small. I think he'll, I think he'll, like, as good as Usyk is, you can't stand in front of Tyson and try and box. He'll... he'll He'll take you at some point. Um, so I'd love to see him become, you know, to unify and 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 then retire. I think because um, again, like I mean, you know, I think he's earned that. I think he's earned that right. So I, he'll come back. He'll will know, wait. What will Joshua fight him? I think if 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 Joshua beats Usyk, which I I don't think he will. Mm. I think. Um, I, 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 he'll have to, yeah. I mean, there'll, there'll be two bigger calls to unify it, yeah. I think, yeah, that, um, it's the winner of that fight. That's that's Tyson's last fight, really, because he's not, even if he did beat you, he's not gonna, if Joshua loses, why would Tyson fight him? You know what I mean? He's, he's a perpetual loser now. He's like, like how many fights will he have lost then, Anthony Joshua? You know, but absolutely, in fairness to the two of them, they, they, Joshua's a nice guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're both very good sports people and a representation of the sport of boxing like that yeah you know, family man i agree you know what i mean the whole lot yeah. so that rather than the tarnished you know that everybody was a tug that done boxing and and just for low life you know what i mean so it's given a bit of credibility back to the game you know yeah absolutely you know they they both done so much for, for boxing i mean um you know I, I don't care what people say i mean you know what joshua has done for Percy's. For boxers, that was almost my complaint before. You know that promoters made so much money and boxers didn't, and Joshua has changed that. Um, and I think Fury has 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 brought in a different different crowd. Well, they both have really, but I mean Fury especially has brought in a whole different dynamic of watching it. I mean, as you say, I mean if I don't know where you're going to, I don't know where you'd put that fight because you'd sell out Wembley. I mean. Uh, Fury, I tried to get tickets originally and it was sold out in, in probably 40 minutes. Um, and again, they've ex- extended it to 94,000. That's, that's the biggest, I think, the biggest sporting event capacity crowd-wise ever in Europe, yeah. certainly in Wembley. Um, so, 
it probably has to be Wembley again. Because Yeah, it would. Yeah. Yeah. And have to yeah. be Wembley. Yeah. I hope they if they do it, I hope <laughs> they don't take it money now. I mean Fury was quite clear. He said he wanted to retire after Wilder and then mm. this fight was offered and it was in gonna be in Britain and he wanted to do it for the, you know, like for the for the British people and like and that's you know, I hope if they do fight, they don't take it to Saudi Arabia and it's ah. You know, if, if Eddie Hearn wins it, he'll he'll look to go to Saudi because of the money's there. And also, what what Eddie Hearn won't want is that crowd, because I, I'd be I'd be almost certain if you put ninety four thousand in Wembley, I think eighty thousand would would probably boo AJ and cheer Gypsy King, which would be incredible. But even though they're both popular, I don't think Eddie Hearn would risk want to risk. Hearing AJ Boot, I think. Now that that's talking about now, that's just a perfect time now to move over to the Liverpool Everton game. <laughs> <laughs> and and the Liverpool is, fans, is that boo hooing? Disgraceful boo-hooing. treatment of their fellow neighbours who are on the other end of the scale. Which it's tough enough being a Man United fan out there, but to be an Everton fan now must be and living in Liverpool must be. Absolutely shocking at the moment. Well, all I can say is revenge is sweet after what they did to our team last season when we lost Virgil and and basically we also lost Allison due to thuggery by Rickarlson and Pickford last year. So, you know, and yet they try to do it all over again this time. Rickarlson was appalling. For somebody who's actually a really talented footballer, and I think he's a really talented footballer, he basically is nasty. He kicks people when they're gone from behind, trips them up. He throws himself around the ground. He feigns um, uh, assaults where there's been nothing there. I mean, it was shown yesterday in the slow-mo that he wasn't even touched when he actually went to the ground for the first time. And uh, the last time he went to ground is when he lost the ball and pulled up with, with, with a, a potential hamstring. And then two minutes later, he's chasing down the wing. I mean, he was appalling yesterday. But, he, he, appalling. but Mark, he might have suffered with the same injury as Pogba, as I was saying to you earlier, with twisted sock. You know, possibly, you know, possibly. But, he had, but, once, he got it, once he got it ironed out, he was grand. Well, I'm going to say this. The one thing I will say about Everton is they have a wonderful, wonderful young player, uh, young Gordon. That, that's when I came into that game yesterday. What? And he made that run and whipped by the two of them as if they weren't there. And I went, wow, that's he, he's He's gone next season. He's gone. I, I would say lots of managers are looking at him going, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. He, Eric Ken Hag. He was a he was a flying machine, and in all fairness, he had a touch of the Ricardsons, and uh, basically he did collide with Matip. I think it was an accidental collision. Matip did not pull him or anything, but I think had he not have thrown himself around the ground and get a yellow card earlier in the first half, I think the referee would have given him a penalty. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So you didn't think that was a penalty. No, I, I think it was a collision, but I have seen them given. And I what I said was, had he not have made a big song and dance during the first half, he could have got a 50-50 decision there. He could have got a 50-50 decision and they may have given him a penalty. So do we are we in agreement that 
Everton are going down now. I think they're going down. I think Leeds are going to win tonight. I think Leeds are going to beat Crystal Palace or at least get a draw out of Palace. And they have a good run in at home. I think they have more games in hand, uh coming up. Now, I have a funny feeling, Mark, that Newcastle are going to get something out of your game next week. So when this goes out live, I, I'm hoping <laughs> next Monday I'm right. I just have this funny feeling about Newcastle. They're starting to play a bit well. They have a good coach there. They're at home. Could, you know, make their season putting a spanner in the works for Liverpool. Yeah, they're on a bounce. They've played against, they haven't played up against any of the top five in the last couple of weeks. They've been they've been dealing with the guys who are struggling at the bottom and mid-table. So they haven't really come up against any tough, tough opposition. Um, you know, let's like but, but you see, the thing is, unlike the United players who have nothing to play for because most of them want to go, I'd say some of the Newcastle players are playing for their job next season. You know what I mean? To stay at that club when the investment is there. So it, there's a different different approach to the game. You know what I mean? It's like now you'd say, if you look at Sean there with West Ham, Fort's gone. So to me, arresting players for that cup, for the cup. Uh, Thursday, yeah. Thursday yeah, night, yeah. You know? I think West Ham have a very good chance of winning that. Mm. I, I, I think I think if they forget about the league now, they're going to be grand, uh, and then they automatically get in if they win anyway to Europe next year anyway. So uh, they're if they concentrate on on the European games, I think they have a very good chance of going the whole way. Well, I think he did anyway. I mean, you know, he didn't play Rice yesterday, and he did play, you know, Antonio. So I mean, he had that in mind. I just want to go back to Everton now. I mean, joking aside, I was saying to someone today, and it was quite an interesting comment that, like, so West Ham, we have this, you know, your, your Liverpool Everton uh, is very much like our, our West Ham Tottenham sort of feeling. Yeah. And as much as I'd love it on the day that Tottenham went down, the next season I'll be really disappointed that that game was missing. Um, and I, I feel the same with Everton. I, I, th- I think it would be a real... I think it would be very sad for the, for the Premier League for Everton to go down. And I think, Mark, I, I think although you'd love it, you would miss it the next season. I think you yeah. would. And I think any any Liverpool fan that says they wouldn't, I, I, and because the rivalry is that strong, I, I'd, I'd like to ask them again next season. Because, I mean, they're special games. And, and, and I, you know, I, I'd be so d- disappointed. And I'm sorry for Burnley fans, but... You know, it's I, I'm fed up with this over and over again that they scrape out at the end, you know, and and again, you know, getting rid of their manager and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I thought it was they were gone. They don't deserve to be there. They, you know, that there isn't the investment. There isn't, you know, then they've got they've got a good crowd. I mean, they had a great away support. So, you know, I I, I just think it'd be a travesty if they go down. I think, um, I, I you I, know, I I, I I think we'd miss. Sorry, Mark, you're more qualified for me than. No, no, I'm not. But I totally agree with you. I think the two games would definitely be missed next year. I think. Yeah. Believe it or not, the, the team I've seen United play most in Old Trafford is Everton. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because my brother-in-law followed them, Duncan follows them. So it was always, they'd get tickets away and we'd go over and we'd have it. You know what I mean? And I've, and I've always had a soft spot for them because they're the only people I hate Liverpool as much as we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to miss them if they're down there because that yeah. little bit of 
Oh, Jesus, Liverpool. I know where you're coming from. That'll be gone. You know what I mean? You know, as, as, as my father-in-law used to say, there is, there is no point in actually victory unless the opposition feel the pain. So to be quite honest with you, it's important that they stay up. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Paul, I, Paul was messing me earlier, and, and uh, as we said, if you be busy, and I thought, yeah, but you're busy, all right, eight o'clock, the match is on, and they said, no, I'm actually busy, I won't see you. I said, ah, we'll keep you up to speed, I'm sure, at some stage, you know? He said, hopefully we'll put a bit of daylight between it. But first to myself, I just feel the way Burnley treated Sean Dyche, they kind of gone, no, you know what, okay, as the fans aside, let them go down, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we and let them do a stint down there, and we can come back up, whereas you will miss Everton if he went down, you know? He really was. Listen, I've, I think and, the and their captain right. plays from the Irish captain, Seamus. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that doesn't if you, matter. If, they treated their manager badly as well. So did Lee. Oh no, Seamus could go to Seamus could go to Celtic and get another five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> the league up there is that soft. You know what I mean? Even Seamus with half his leg gone could still. <laughs> he probably they'll probably make him captain. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Enough now. Going back to Dice, if, if, if you've got a manager lined up, then it's smart to bring him in before the end of the season. If you do, even if you are going down, you know, like maybe that is smart for him to get to see the players, get to see the team before you know transfer windows and stuff like that. But to to do that to Dice like, with, I just think it's cruel. I think it's like, and then just play the assist, you know, play the rest of the games out with the assistant. I think he's wrong. And, and, and I, I yeah, I, I sort of changed my opinion of them. And I, but I do think over, you know, listen, we all love an escape and it makes it, you know, it makes it at least important at that bottom end of the table when someone does it, but, but not season after season, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like either something's got to change or just let them go. It's, um, it, um, so I'm hoping yeah, that they still put it. I mean, they've still got a game in hand, Everton, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just the, the other thing. Now, I'm not going to go on too much about how we were robbed because it doesn't make any difference now at this stage. But the VAR decisions in the United game were shocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? They really were shocking, you know? And yet, at this stage of the season, you know, that, that could be you in the Champions League final mark. And I'm guaranteed there'll be steam coming out of this computer if them if them decisions had gone that way, you know. Well, so, what, what, how, how did he get it so wrong with VAR at times? Too much of the same replays. But what know? about your superstar who who ends up strong enough to take a penalty and he hits the post? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's called peer pressure when the real superstar is looking at you taking it. And well, well, maybe he should have stepped aside <laughs> and let the real superstar take the penalty. Uh, yeah. I think the re- the fact the real superstar was still on the pitch after the week he had was it was testament to the commitment to the guy, you know what I mean? So you know, I yeah, give him, give him I, a bit I of leeway. Say, yeah, absolutely. And I would say you'd be a hell of a lot worse off if he wasn't in your team this year. Oh, Jesus! Take his goals out. We're mid table if any if anywhere. Yeah, you know? I, I, I will. I thought as well. Fernandez was really fortunate to stay on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, you say about VAR. I mean. You know, he that was so late. I mean, that tackle, and it was hard, and it was, it looked to me like that had every intent in it. I mean, I don't know how that that wasn't pulled back. Um, you know, because, I mean, it was so late. I was, I was, I was shocked that he was still on the pitch, and 
And I watched Ref Watch this morning, like on Sky, like Dermot Gallagher. And, and he said, like, you know, that he, and he very rarely criticised referees, but he said, you know, it was an appalling challenge and um, because it was so late. And, um, and, it, and he said as well, you know, there was intent in that from Fernandez. It was... Um, uh, uh, it's, it was a frustrated player that yeah. uh, had a great start to his career. You know, it came in and everything looked like hunky dory starting to see, and it's just gone like that for him. Even his yeah, international has, yeah. career hasn't. He's the one that they whip off most of the yeah. time in Portugal. You know? he, did the same, he did the same in the Liverpool game on Tuesday night, and he should have been off for that as well. A practically right. the same tackle, practically the same tackle. So he's got. Yeah, you, you can forgive him for that. It was Liverpool, man. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know that young, like that young player, come on with the hair, Hannibal, right? And he done more in six minutes than most of them have done for eighty-six minutes. Yeah, he's he good. That's that's the old thing. You could see Kane sitting there going, "Come on, lad, go on, get in." You know what I mean? And that's what you want. You want to see that bit of passion in the derby? You know, not all noisy, noisy. You know. So I, I just felt that this this week's the Premier League. I don't, I don't know where it's going to go in the end, Mark. I don't know where it's going to go to your city, but I'm delighted it's not last year or a team running away with it. It's always better if you're not involved, if you're a neutral, just watching it head-to-head. I know it's nervy. And the fourth place, Jesus, it was like nobody wants it because everybody's a chance to keep throwing it back. You know what I mean? Like that, At this stage now, they should have been challenging Chelsea. And yeah, Chelsea have Chelsea've got their own league of their own, like kind of they're never gonna they're not getting forced. And James, nobody wants to get near them to chase for tour, you know. So it's crazy, you know. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, if 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 we'd if we'd have held on yesterday, and I mean, with you know, like as I say, a, 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 okay, that's been Rice Solman Dawson went off, but with 10 men, if we'd held on, you know, Arsenal probably would have been challenging for third, you know, and Tottenham. It would have been like because Chelsea just look shocking at the moment. I mean, um, you know, your, your man, the German up front, I mean, he, he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. I mean, it's like, I know everyone's... He does run, he's, he's, another, he's another guy that I swear to God there's a double of him somewhere. And he's, uh, he's, he's sitting off spending the sign of money and he sent his, his double over and he's getting... Because <laughs> <laughs> my right. son follows German football and and goes, seriously, Dad, he was playing brilliantly in the in the Bundesliga, and you're kind of going, Jesus, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Or he's the most unluckiest man in the world because I've seen him make good runs, get great positions, and then he hits the post. You're kind of going, <laughs> so he moved the goalposts. You know? It's a roof of the stand. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how we well, we'll see if we've got on well with them by the time this goes out on Thursday night well, at Old Trafford. I, I, because well, I'd be hoping in front of a home crowd, if they don't put in a bit of performance, you'll be you'll be letting it, you know you they let you know that it's time for you to go. You know what I mean? Like I'd say Pogba with the twisted sock is is delighted he's out of there now because he's not wanted. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. And as Mark pointed out, he's emptied their uh, bank account twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Walked away for free. Yeah. That's bad. That's bad management. And I had to sit through. A seminar today with you. Well, another one, you know, David Campbell owns House of Colour, Sean. No, I don't know. Sorry, and Dave, he's a good, he's a good presenter, he's very vocal, he's up there. And I'm sitting there and going, oh, yeah, Fair play to Dave, that's good. And then he goes, So, you know, it's about like, you know, when you know, he's 
you know, a stylist comes in, they want you to pay, I'll only walk if you pay me this. You know what I mean? It's not always about signing the top, as Manchester United, but sorry, Greg. <laughs> and I went, Jesus, I can't escape, but I'm even here to work. <laughs> and he said, even like, sadly, Man United just blow the money and get nothing back because it's not being managed well. And I'm going, uh, sorry, sir, but for 23 years, it was managed well. It's just, <laughs> just managers don't managers don't last forever. So when yeah. is the club finishing? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm just looking forward to your next 21 years because we've got nine now. So you've got nine in the bag, 21 to go. <laughs> so that you can uh, well, if you tell me Jurgen Klopp's going to be there for nine years, I'll say, right, there is a possibility. Pep yeah. won't be there for nine years. He's gone. It's yeah. whether the, the, oh, I would say, it's whether uh, the financiers can make as much out of the plastic island to keep funding it. You know, I'm just surprised that nobody has come up with the idea that Paul Pogba should have a, a middle moniker of Dick Tracy in the middle. Paul Dick Tracy Pogba, because <laughs> he'd robbed you of so much. <laughs> it wouldn't be the force. It was we we made it. Even Fergie signed a couple of duds in his day. You know what I mean? And I think it's just the yeah, but he, just, he didn't he didn't give him away and then sign him for a hundred million, then give him away again. Uh, well, Eric won't be doing that because Eric is used to signing fellas for tuppence and turning them into a quid. You know what I mean? So that's what we hope. We're the only club that that for the last few years has been able to take great players other than being at a Chelsea and make them into worse players when they came. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen McTominay's after a game interview, did you? No, no, I didn't know. And he just said, he basically just said the dressing room is toxic. It's gone. And Lingard came out and I kind of gone, well, Lingard just keep your mouth shut. You know what I mean? You, you, you yeah. don't want to be there. But McTominay is a young lad that still wants to be there. And obviously, the, you know, the problem is straight off. There's the Maguire and that end of things. Then there's obviously Ronaldo's come in and there's the Portuguese, that end of things. And then there's probably the decent players that are caught in the middle. I don't know which. I don't want to take any sides here. Do you know what I mean? And and it's just Maguire should never have been a captain of a football club. He's lucky to be even getting a game, but he was not captain material. And there lies the problem. Listen, you know? he's, he's championship material. He's not even Premier League material. I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on even in the England. Camp. But even but then we have him in the England camp. He's and Ralph makes change decisions. He puts right. He's on the bench for Harry because he got a. Somebody Mark's neck of the woods probably sent him a bomb threat over the phone. <laughs> so Northern Ireland accent, <laughs> and they were used to that. And that's that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> We've all moved on from that. <laughs> Jesus, how long to check out the window? <laughs> Those days are over, Greg. Believe it or not, yeah. actually, I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. Duncan says to me here. You know the way. The criminal activity of the Guinnehans and blah blah blah. Nobody says, Would we be all right talking about that on the podcast? <laughs> no, <I> says, <laughs> Jesus, Duncan, what kind of a following do you think we have so far? You know what I mean? I don't think Alison will mind. But we might even get that. Well, Tyson Fury might get Daniel Kinnahan on with him when we get Tyson on. Sean will do a bit yeah. of network, and now that he's moving up. Yeah, I'll, try. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Um, right, let's talk about something a little bit there where bank holidays are coming tenfold, and there was a time when it was a great time to just jump on a plane and say, Jesus, head off for a couple of days, or Mark would be off down in Portugal, swinging a golf club, or back in behind a chair. Sean, you were probably flying to LA to just go out for a beer, 
And all of a sudden, now you're looking at this three hours. It was bad enough after 9-11. Now you're looking at four hours. And Dublin Airport, they were queuing outside. And even the queue, if you tried to cheat and go up five hours earlier, sorry, get in the queue over there because you're too early. You're not even getting into the building. Listen, it would be the last place I'd want to be is Dublin Airport. Um, I don't think, Sean, the airports in the UK are as bad as they are over here. Uh, for the they're not reason. as bad. They're not, but they're bad. Yeah. Was it to do with, with here? What I'm told basically, it's it's staff shortages. Oh no, the no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. They let go a load of people. Those people had no job security. Have moved on. Or foreign nationals that went home, and yeah. all of a sudden now, but because of obviously security, yeah, you can't just put somebody in in an interview. It takes five or six weeks to train them up. So oh, there are five or six weeks, Greg. So. No. The DAA let everybody go from, from the security. Everybody were, were let go. So they broke their contracts. Uh, the problem now is it takes six weeks to get police clearance. Yeah, police clearance. For you to be a security guard in the airport. So therein lies the problem. It's, it's, it's down to getting police clearance so that you can actually do the job. So yeah, I, I looked and I tell you a quick funny story. I, I ended up. We t- I just said, that. I said, no, I really can't be doing that. Why don't we, we've nobody to mind the dogs. We just get a dog-friendly place. So we ended up, I said, do you fancy staying in a hut? I was thinking with Tyson coming up and all that, we'd get a bit, you know, down. And we ended up glamping in this hut. Now, they were near at the behind, at the back of a castle in, in uh, Kilkenny. Lovely people on it. Great story behind it. But Mark had noticed because he's got a lot of rock star friends, right? And when people make money in music, I think it's the fact that they have no fucking money to begin with. They don't know what to spend it on. So they just go and spend it. And basically, did you know Jimmy McCarthy, Mark? Right? I'll enlighten you. He wrote a lot of hits for Mary Black. He wrote No Frontiers. Okay. He wrote Ride On for Christy Moore, right? So the man, basically, the, the a 60-odd-year-old woman decided, and she's a daughter who's a musician and a son-in-law is a musician and she looked and she said, look, they're never going to make music. They're never going to make a lot of money for musicians, but I'll help them. They're going to start a family family, or sell up the family home here in Dublin. Your man has this house up for sale for 705,000 uh, euro. You know what I mean? And uh, she bought it just before lockdown with the view of let's put the glamping in this man has done the house up from top to bottom. Amazing, right? So we walked it. Well, we're outside and I go, you're wondering who owns it. Is it somebody has it for hundreds of years and it's passed down? And then you, we had the dogs with us and one of them is as mad as a brush, right? So let them off. Alice goes, ah, Greg, just let them off. There's acres of space here. There's no sheep. There's just cows. They won't take on a cow. Leave them. I'll make a coffee. So go into me. Me hut, make coffee at that facility. Come out and I'll say, Where are we sitting? There's two lovely seats around here looking out over the fields. Beautiful. Sun is coming down, sitting there. Alison says, I can hear that dog barking. Where are you? And I go, Will you relax? Just sit back and relax, will you? Jesus, enjoy the coffee. You look at the view, right? I can hear that fucker barking. Where is he? So we look over at the stately home and it's a three story thing. So there, Alice said, Greg, have a look at the middle window. And there's this big window. And there's the dog looking out the window. 
and gone into the house. <laughs> the girl had told me she two cats. I said, Alison, go down there. We're only here two hours. I don't want to get tooped off the camp and so can only here two hours. So she knocks the door. The girl goes, oh, my mother keeps leaving the back door. Well, our dogs are upstairs in your living room. So, <laughs> so the well room and she, we got to know the girl and she said, do you want to have a look inside? I see her. Now, she, I got a lovely compliment. She said, I see you're a musician. I've seen you carrying a box in. I said, play a bit of saxophone. I wouldn't call myself a musician. I'm a budden. Uh, somebody giving it a bash and she says well she plays flute and the husband teaches drums in the in what was the church and I went oh lovely I said well do you don't mind if I play a bit and she says no I might even come around and join you I went Jesus that probably, you probably won't when you hear me playing you know so we're walking around there and I said the house she's want to come in and have a look at the house oh shit Jesus why don't we yeah come around to the front door she opens the front door in we go Right, there's a living room in it that King Arthur would have sat down with the knights at. Massive big table. And I went, Jesus, this place is unbelievable. She says, Yeah, I'll bring you up to the room where the dog was. I opened the door and I went, Wow. And she says, That's what we call it, the well room. Beautiful high ceiling, state of the art. Like just all done up to original, you know, what you'd expect people to live in a stately home. Then she says, I'll bring you around to where the church is. You're going to like this. And I'm going, Really? No, you will. She says, you, you love this because you play music. So she opens the door, right? And in I go, right? A hundred seater, fucking theater, your man puts in. Now I've seen M cribs and I've seen people with cinema rooms. Who puts a hundred seater theater in their house? You know what I mean? Even Rod Stewart didn't he put a football pitch, you know? Yeah. And, and the whole mixing behind the glass, the whole thing there. And I said, to her, some potential here. And she goes, yeah, we, but you see, she says, I'm a musician. I'm not. My mum, my mum has all the ideas, but like she basically said, I thought she'd just get somebody in to kind of run it all. And I'm going, to know. well, you can see the potential there. Like I'm saying, can you imagine a small artist saying to them, right, get a hundred of your best fans and do a weekend with. So you do two small intimate gigs and they come down 15 minutes from Kilkenny, eight minutes from Castle Comer. Brilliant, beautiful location. But you kind of, I said to Alison, you know what, they're lovely people, but... Are they the right people to take this to the next level? You know, but lovely, a great stay, really nice. And sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Get me the details of it. Actually, I must pass it on because do you know what? Some of the guys might use that for rehearsal space. Go down when they're working on new material and stuff. It sounds ideal. Oh, that's. I, I looked and I went, Jesus, you can't keep that to yourself. You know what I mean? And now I said, where is Jimmy now? The fellow that Jimmy McCarthy. He married, uh, he, he got married very late. And like the man is 73, I think now. He said, yeah, he married his uh, Chinese acupuncturist. And he lives in a little townhouse in Dublin, in Dublin one, in Cork Street or somewhere like that, you know? So I went, and I went on, I said, she for real? And yeah, yeah, he, was, he said he never got married because he was a pauper as being a musician. And by the time he made the money, Nobody was interested in marrying him, you know. But I'm sure the Chinese woman picking in, sticking the needles in him, soon found out. Yeah. <laughs> What's your bank account? <laughs> Actually, I'll get pulled up. I'll get pulled up for that now. That's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Cancelled, my friend. That. Huh? Yeah. That's twice I've done it now. I've done it with the. <laughs> right. I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to be pulled up YouTube now or whatever <laughs> social media for being politically incorrect. But back to a little bit on air industry before we go, right? Um, well, I was just going to say, sorry, I, I was just yeah. going to say, any any listeners in England, though, if you if you want a good 
cheap trip. Mm. If you if you get the train, the Eurostar, we're doing forty five pound tickets now to return. The uh, single ticket, sorry, don't get a, just get a single. Get on a boat at Calais, and you can get a free flight to Rwanda. Spend it out in. <laughs> I mean, what a way, what a way to see Africa for forty five quid. Just yeah. leave your passport. You can you imagine? So imagine me rocking up there, look at the big freckly head in me. Any <laughs> <laughs> chance, lads? A trip to Rwanda, please. No, 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 no. You're a bit too. <clears throat> but all refugees are the same, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. You're yeah. right there. You know what I mean? That's another great blunder by the bold Boris. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but uh, I, I'm actually dying to go to London again. I never thought I'd miss London. Do you know what I mean? But we were so used to just popping over. Just but popping over, yeah. To do it. Like we were, we were going away in the summer and Alison said, I said, well, we, you know what, Alison, keep it simple. We just go to Mallorca. Haven't been to Mallorca in years. Why don't we go there? We're going in August. It'll be grand. She says, ah, will we do Barcelona for a couple of days? I went, well, all right, then we do. And then we'll fly down. And then she says, you know, the client was telling me you can get the ferry from Barcelona to Mallorca. And, and it goes into Alcudia. So if you're flying in, you have to fly into Palma. Then you have to go an hour up to Alcudia. So you get it in. And I, I, I went and looked and I said, I said, oh, it's a bit dearer than that. 96 euro to get on a ferry. And the Ryanair is 40. But then I'm kind of going, hold on, you've only to be there 90 minutes before for the for the boat. You can bring any soy suitcase. Nobody's pulling you up over it. Ryanair were advertising that the seat was 40. But by the time you stick on your bag and everything else, yeah. for some, and you're going through, I, the last time I went through, I might as well have had, I might as well have had Mark's accent and a, and a, and a clock. And a, and a clock stuck on the outside of it, right? Because the girl said to me, you can't... Lovely Eastern European girl. I'm not great at doing the Eastern European accent. But she just said, sorry, sir, but you can't go through with that. It's too big. It's not too big. I was in Milan a few weeks ago. Same suitcase, Ryanair flight. It was grand then. I haven't done any... No, no, it's, it doesn't fit in there. So I'm not But it's fitting in there. <laughs> and she said, "No, it, and I said, no, it's the wheels. That's the problem. I'll turn her upside down." <laughs> and I was just in that. I was, you know, when you've lost a parent, Mark, you can share this with me. You don't suffer feels easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're there, and I was going, "Don't do this to me. I, I just need to like I'm next to." And then I got it in. I said, "There, it's in." And she turns. Allison's case was the same. Yeah, well, hers isn't. Hers is too big. I said, it's the same suitcase. You want me to do the exact same? Right, hold on. And then I said, actually, look at the queue there. Are you going to make... That, that girl there said, excuse me, here's that suitcase. That suitcase, I put it alongside. Look, it's the same size as mine. It was that much... No, hers isn't. Hers is smaller. It's that much smaller. I said, now you're playing silly buggers with me. And I was just about to say, just give me the feckin' bill. And a girl, Eastern European girl, with sense came along. She says, what's going on here? His bag is too big. And she says, looks okay to me, go ahead. And then she followed us out. She said, I'm very sorry about that. She said, I'm doing this job 20 years. She said, sometimes people overdo it. I'm sorry, you seem to be upset about it. Just let it go. You know what I mean? And you kind of go, there's common sense. Isn't that common? That's the main thing. Sorry, there's a lack of common sense out there at the moment. There is a complete lack of it. I don't know whether it's because of the millennials or because of COVID or 
COVID brain or whatever, but there's definitely something weird going on out there at the minute. And it's everywhere. It's lots, of, lots of computer says no stuff. And yeah. it's everywhere. But on that, just on our industry, because we are going to go into it, and I think we'll save that for the five, was as we'd like to have a little chat about the future of air industry. And I don't even think it's just air industry. It's just work in general and where people are going and how there's changes. I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, you don't understand. My dad would say, I don't understand the young people of today. And I, my thing is, yeah, you won't understand them because you're not them. And the only way is you have to learn how to get on with them and live in their world because they ain't going back to your world. Like or a lump, you have to get on with it. Yeah. But I listened to a podcast with your salon and, and the girl intrigued me because she was talking about stuff that she felt when she was talking, I, I, I could hear where I was being taught. In other words, say Alan or 365 or, you know, figures, 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 figures. And she was saying when she started the salon, it was because stylists were coming to me and saying, I can't cope with the pressure. And she said, we're, 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 we're creatives. And, and she said, the chapel had created this environment. And then from listening to yourself, and that's why I said to you, I'd love to go over and spend the day with you, Sean, in the salon, if it was, just to shadow and have a look. Because I've listened to so many podcasts with you, and, and it was one of the first ones that I actually went, God, who, who, who was it, Greg? Who was it, Sean, from the salon? Uh, it's Amanda. Amanda Dickens, the actual owner. Yeah. Oh, um, I know Amanda. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, so it's, um, she was in Red King. Pretty unique. Uh, I mean, any, we always say anyone come and hang out there. It is, it is quite unique what we do. Yeah. And I, I think it's definitely worth saving because it is an interesting, you know, it's an interesting story. Um, you know, and when we talk about the industry, because we're, we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a pretty good place at the moment. I think like we we're absolutely dwarfed with new clients because they just want a different type of experience. So yeah, I think, I think it's certainly one we can say, but, um, but yeah, no, um, it's, it, and the podcast was really great. Yeah, I thought I thought it, it got it across well. It was, um, but, but yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to work there. Yeah, and that's like and you like you've been in this industry a long time, Sean, and you've worked on both sides of the Atlantic, and you've worked with different people. So coming from yourself, that says a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. As, it really is. You I know, know that one. I've I've actually enjoyed. Um, I've seen her a few times, Sean when she was working with Redkin for a while, when your, yeah. when your guys were on board with Redkin. So I, I saw her in Vegas and I saw her, oh, in, uh, when they did one in, I think it was Earl's Court, mm -hmm. when they did the Redkin show there. And I think I saw her a couple of times. She's fantastic. She's absolutely yeah. wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, it's really inspiring, yeah. Yeah. And we'll give, we might as well give Mr. Dan Lehane an old plug. If you listen to those craggy old dudes that, you know, how to cut into hairdressing industry. I know he's rebranding, he might call it something else by the time this goes out. But it, it was, a, a, like I listened to it and, and, that, okay, and I really enjoyed it. I actually felt that it wasn't trying, well, I won't say churning out the same old story, but it was it was a bit fresh. And it wasn't something that, it's something that she's been working on for years. So it's not something that you just say, oh, look, I have this bright idea for now. But it might take till now before it's starting to really kick in. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's where I feel that the industry has changed, the plan has changed, but it doesn't mean we have to ch change exactly who we are. We just have to look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and start thinking, yeah. what do we want? 
like you're you think about it, Mark. There was this, there was a time when what you used to offer in your salon was, was unique in in the sense that beverages, the wine, and then it became the norm. The normal. And yeah. then COVID came, and it was became everything was whipped out, yeah. <laughs> and, and you gave them nothing, and you expected them to pay the same. But now we're starting to implement like. Because we were talking about putting magazines back in. I wanted to say, what about magazines? A couple of times were asked, and I went, probably next month. But then when I was doing the, there today, the guys, the Green Salon Collective were doing a presentation, the whole lot. And we're changing the name of the salon there. We're rebranding the whole lot. You know what I mean? To fit in with what we do, the recycling, the whole lot, the sustainability. And, and basically, I was just there, and I kind of going, no, well, if I bring in paper magazines, I'm going, I'm defeating what I'm trying to do, and that's cut down on the waste. So we, you know, I said to Alana, I said, we'll just go with the digital option on the magazines and, and accept that people don't have an iPhone, which they do, even if they are 70. You know what I mean? Some of them are sharper than most people, you know? And, you know, we, we will offer that facility. The one thing I did increase was I made sure we had superior Wi-Fi in the salon and put a standalone unit that was literally, that's the Wi-Fi for the customers and for the staff. So they're not pulling off your your system at the desk or wherever. And, and that to me was costing me the same price as the magazines. So now we're bringing it back in. So your cost, and that was what I got out today was in, oh, in our news have a pension, but cost, 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 costs are going up. And therefore prices have to go up. You know what I mean? And it's trying to get the industry not to be fearful of it, but you have to, and that's where I looked at the chapel when I'm listening there and I'm kind of going, yeah, pay for your time. And that really intrigued me. And then, yeah. you know, somebody said to me, you yeah, but that's all right, you're in London and you're charging here. And I'm going, no, it's how you, how you sell it, how you advertise it, you know? Funny, funny the enough. The oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. We've, we've taken a great example from, from the chapel, Sean, uh, you know, after I met Amanda for the first time. And, and basically, I've instilled it into all our senior people that the price difference is what you're charging per hour. So, so yeah. my haircut cost is not the cost of a haircut. And I've been telling them that is what my hourly fee is. So that's what you're paying for. And yeah. we've even still that in all the staff for the last, well, the last four or five years. So, um, and, and it's been, and, and actually clients have been very receptive to it. So we basically, so rather than basically saying, you know, uh, we make a point of the more senior staff have the more experience, they have more years in the industry. That's why their fees are higher. No different to what you would pay in, in a law firm or an accountancy firm when you had the managing directors actually looking after you. You pay more for them per hour. And, and I think it's been brilliant. Yeah, I will tell you one thing as well. One, one thing that I don't know if they mentioned it on the podcast because I don't remember hearing it, but like if you're a creative hairdresser, one of the interesting things with it that, that we don't talk about a lot is is because people pay by the hour so they you know if if they want to color um what normally happens is we if they've never been to the salon before they've obviously got to come in for a skin test so we gift them a sort of 15 minute 30 minute appointment where we call it a conversation not a consultation mm. where we discuss what color they want and um whatever but what, what's really interesting, we, because we do this hourly, you know, and then we'll say, right, okay, I need three hours with you on Wednesday, you know, like when we've got the appointment. But because we, we do this hourly thing, we don't actually have a price, a price list. Now, the thing as a creative hairdresser is, one of the most difficult 
things and the, and the worst habit we do as hairdressers is to have a price list because somebody will book in for a half head of highlights and they arrive at your salon and they say, oh, Mrs. Smith, hi, you're here for a half head of highlights and a cut. And they go, yeah. And then your, your team member will immediately start to do a consultation on a half head. Oh, you're in for a half head of highlights. Yes, they're getting a half head of highlights. We don't do that. So what we do is like, we, I might do, you know, like a bit of face framing. I might do a semi-permanent. I might do, you know, I might do a full balayage. I might do, you know, but we don't talk in them terms. It's, and we always say to people, it's not like Lego. We don't put hair on, on top of your head. We design it for you, your lifestyle, and whatever. And every hairdresser says that. But the problem is when you've got a price guide, they've already perceived what they're going to get. And unfortunately, the hairdresser becomes very lazy because they're so already the, the, the guest is directing you because mm. they come in, they book for a full head of highlights and you hear your, your team member go, all right, you're in for a full head of highlights. Yeah. So that's it. Transact's done. It's just then choosing which color. And quite often, I, I, I don't see any head of highlights or half head of highlights in our brand at all, which is really interesting. So, um, but they'll still pay three hours for or sometimes four hours or five hours, depending what that, that time they need to book, to, you know, to book in for the color. So we literally are selling time. It's like, you know, and, and again, you build that relationship with the guest and sometimes they may be in for a two hour appointment. Sometimes it might be, you know, a, a five hour appointment. It really depends on what they're having that next time. Yeah, so let's say you've, you've answered all, you've answered a lot of what I was listening to. And anyway, you know what I mean? I just reaffirmed it as somebody that's doing it on the ground every day. So that's our input for a little bit of hair, a little bit of football, a little bit of boxing, a little bit of not, not much showboating because the two showboaters aren't here. You know what I mean? <laughs> the two best dressed men in Ireland aren't here, you know? <laughs> but we'll get them back on again. So to everybody out there in the big old mad world of strangeness, have a great uh, weekend if it's near your weekend. Or just have a great, it's a great week because we're only starting a week or whenever you're listening to this. Because I don't know when you choose to have the dudes in your life. But let's hope you do, you do choose us and give us a listen. So thanks, guys. Until we meet again, take care. Thank you. Hi, and thank you for listening to the Hair Dudes Conversation Podcast. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed something we were talking about. So please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Please don't keep us a secret to yourself. We need you out there to make us feel it's worthwhile. So take care and mind yourself. <laughs>